Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends. Welcome on into episode 29 of The Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great people over at SB Nation. I am Mark Schofield in the big chair for, basically, we're on the verge of our 30th episode here. Getting a nice little run going. Pretty proud of the work that we're doing here, and I'm proud that you're spending some time with me. Always excited when people let me into their commutes, their gym workouts, or wherever you're listening. To one of your favorite Patriots podcasts. Big show for you today. Closing out Jets Week here. Connor Rogers makes a triumphant return of sorts to the show. We're going to talk about Jets Pats. We're going to talk about mono free Sammy D. We're going to talk about Connor's fall because let's face it, dude's going coast to coast, living the life. He was on a barge out by the University of Washington on the on the water. Delivering Wendy's spicy chicken nuggets to to sail gators before a University of Washington game. He's been down to Texas a couple of times. He's going to LSU, Alabama in a couple of weeks. Man's living the dream. So excited to spend some quality time with my boy Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report. But before we dive into what we got on store on tap today, your usual reminders. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Pro Football Weekly, and yes, that trio of SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit. Also, check out the hijinks at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Let's talk a little more about Mono Free Sammy D, because got a piece going up over at Pat's Pulpit, which you should definitely check out, talking about the aforementioned Mono Free Sammy D and his game against the Dallas Cowboys. And I talked about some of this stuff in yesterday's show, but I wanted to revisit one concept that the Jets are probably going to try to run against New England because of how the Patriots play coverage in the secondary, that the Patriots need to be ready for. And then we'll talk about sort of big picture about this game and then a little quality time segment. And the concept I want to talk about is a dual concept. It marries two concepts that are in the Patriots playbook, one called peel, one called rub. And now this comes, this play comes on a third and four when 1918 with 918, excuse me, left in the first quarter. And the first thing to note about this play is usually when you see trips formations, three receivers, the tight end 
is usually that inside receiver closest to the football. Whether he's, you know, right next to the tackle, in the wing, you know, detached a bit from the tackle, usually it's the tight end in that spot. Now, there are formations where you might change it up a bit. Sometimes you might have X outside, sometimes you might have slot outside, sometimes you might have Z outside. But there are formations and alignments where you move the tight end perhaps as the middle receiver in that trips formation. And that's sometimes called trim, T-R-Y-M. Y middle? Eh? Eh? Pretty crafty? At least that's what the Eagles call it. And I guess they won a Super Bowl, so they kind of know what they're doing. So this trim alignment is what the Jets use on this third and fourth, the 918 mark of the first quarter. And it's important to remember that. If you don't remember that, then nothing fantastic will come of the story I'm going to tell. That's right, kids. We're closing in on Christmas season, which means those of you that were with me on the Locked on Pats days, you know my affinity for a Christmas carol. And there you go. There's your first Christmas carol reference of this soon-to-be holiday season. I think the Vegas over-under on that is 29.5. Hit the over. So, Jets come out and trim. Tight end, Ryan Griffin is the middle trips receiver. And he has Jamison Crowder on the inside now instead of where you usually see a tight end. And now the concept they run is, like I said, it's a marriage of two concepts in the Patriots playbook. Peel, which is post and wheel. Post from the outside receiver, wheel route from the inside receiver. And rub, which is a slant route from an outside receiver and a wheel route from the inside receiver. And so what they run on this play is you got three receivers to the left, tight end Ryan Griffin in the middle, outside receiver runs a post route. Griffin from the inside runs, and I use that in the loosest form of the word, but he runs a slant route and Crowder runs the wheel route. And what they're really looking to do is to create that rub on the defender over Jamison Crowder. And it works perfectly. Now, on this slant route, it looks like Griffin does not make contact with the defender over Crowder, but even if he does, he runs it at a depth of one yard. And those of you who are Patriots fans, I'd imagine about 95% of you probably know, since the Patriots do stuff like this, again, we're talking about a concept out of their playbook, if the contact happens within a yard of the line of scrimmage, it's legal. And so Griffin runs his little slant route, and the design is to sort of rub or pick off the defender over Crowder. Crowder runs his wheel, the defender tries to come under Griffin, We'll get to that in a second, a little bit more. But he tries to come under the rub. Crowder gets separation on his wheel route. Sammy Donald, one free Sammy D, throws a deep ball over the top of it, and it goes for a huge gain. Now, two things to mention. One, I said it was important that the defender comes underneath Griffin, who's creating the rub. In the New England playbook, and I would imagine it's this way for other teams, how the quarterback throws this wheel route is dependent on the path that defender, that picked off defender, will take to the receiver. If he comes under, like we see here, and tries to come under that defender, then you throw it deep down the field, throw it over the top. Now, if that defender sees the rub coming and goes over the top of him, then you turn this wheel route into sort of more of a back shoulder throw. And so how the quarterback, whether it's Brady or Mono Free Sammy D., throw that wheel route is dependent entirely upon the path that that defender takes, which means no matter what he does, you probably get a chance to complete this throw. If he comes under, you throw it over the top. If he goes over the top, you throw it on the back shoulder. He can't get to it. And so that's the main thing to remember about this route design, this sort of peel and rub concept out of the trim alignment. The other thing to remember is this. 
I said the Jets will probably run this because of what the Patriots do in the secondary. What do the Patriots do in the secondary? They play a ton of man coverage, even cover zero at times, where you're just straight man across the board with no free safety help. And so this is a man-beater concept. You're creating that rub, creating that sort of pick formation, and you get a chance to hit a vertical shot play down the field. And so I expect them to try that at least once. Patriots need to be ready for it. What do you do? Well, you try to make them make the tougher throw. Part of the reason why you come underneath that is you force them to throw the ball over the top and deep down the field. And so A, that's a tougher throw to complete than a back shoulder throw. And B, if it's, say, cover one, you might be in a position where the free safety can help you. Or if you're in cover two man under, you come underneath, you force them to throw it over the top where you might have some dedicated safety help, that half field safety. And so I think more than anything else, the Patriots, they're going to play what they want to play, which is man coverage. But you might see, you know, if it's cover one, cover two, doesn't matter. If they see this, you're probably going to see that defensive back come under, force them to throw it over the top and maybe get some help from the safeties downfield. So I did want to mention that this sort of peel and rub concept. Thinking big picture about this game, I don't typically do predictions or anything like that. I do think this is going to be a closer game, perhaps. I know the number that's been bandied about is like nine and a half. I don't want to say take the points. I think it's going to be like one of these one-score games on the road. Jets looked pretty good last week. They got a little bit of momentum. Getting some guys back. Maybe C.J. Mosley comes back. Maybe they get Quinn and Williams as well. The defense played a little bit better in the second half when these two teams played a couple of weeks ago. And so I think they'll be okay defensively. Patriots will still score points. I think offensively, the Jets might you know put a touchdown on the board, but I still think the Patriots have enough. and have a, Obviously, I think they have enough defensively to handle what the Jets are doing. I mean, I think this might be a 20-13 to 13 kind of game. Maybe a 24-13 common game. Maybe they get, you know, and they cover. I don't think it's going to be one that's going to come down to, you know, late in the second half or anything like that. Like the Bills game, for example. But I think this one might be close. But that's what we're thinking here right now. Up next, though, you're going to hear from somebody else. The one and only Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report. He's going to come by for some quality time. That's ahead here on episode 29 of The Sco Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And welcome back to episode 29 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. And of course, proudly brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. Time for our quality time segment. Got a fantastic guest making a return appearance. He's one of the hosts of the Sick to Football podcast over at Bleacher Report, the one and only Connor Rogers. Connor, buddy, how you been, my friend? I'm good, Sco. Thanks for having me back on, man. I appreciate it. No, I, great to have you back. It's great that we were just talking. It's great that it seems like this Jets-Pats game is going to be a little bit different than the one we talked about just a few weeks ago. And to that point, look, when you were on with me a couple weeks ago, your mantra then was get to the bye. That's what you were saying. Look, the Jets were down to their third-string quarterback. Darnold was out. Guys were hurt. Now, coming off a win against Dallas, what's the mantra now, buddy? 
I mean, I think there's actually real-life hope all of a sudden because they shouldn't have blown the game against the Bills when, you know, Darnold they thought was sick anyway, but still they should have they should have won that game. And then they were pretty lifeless without him playing with a practice squad quarterback and Luke Falk. That's something you and I talked about leading up to the New England game. There just wasn't much expectations. But to have a win at home like that against a good Dallas football team, I know they were banged up or so were the Jets. It gives you a lot of hope because this is a schedule that after this New England game, it, it turns into a Jacksonville team that's without Jalen Ramsey, the Bengals, the Dolphins twice, uh, the Giants and the Redskins, and the Raiders. Those are winnable games for the New York Jets. I'm not saying they're going to win all of them, but they're games that they're expected to win. So all of a sudden, it's amazing what one win can do for a football team. And big part of that one win, you get him back. Model free, Sammy D's back in the lineup, wins AFC Offensive Player of the Week. I just got done watching his game against Dallas. I was impressed, but what did you see from Model free, Sammy D? Oh, I mean, it was it was the best game we've seen from him. I, obviously, you could say this year, but I mean, the best game I think we might have seen from him in his career. Now, the games against Green Bay and Houston last year were also very, very impressive. But in this game, besides the interception. He looked in complete control, and I think that's very impressive considering it was his first game back. There just wasn't a lot of rust there. I think another thing that a lot of people aren't talking about was he had this kind of game without his favorite target, and that's Chris Herndon, the tight end that they hope is back against New England on Monday. That's really Sam's go-to guy on those intermediate routes. But with Sam, you saw a lot of the stuff that made people love him as a prospect, the feel in the pocket, that internal clock, the ability to throw off platform time and time again there's so many times where you, you've paused the freeze you make a freeze frame and sam's in one position and you ask yourself after you click it to play again how did the ball get there i think that's what makes sam so fun to watch and it's something that adam gase actually went over in a film room video uh from the new york jets this summer is that you see the stuff he could do off platform and it's what makes him what makes people believe he can be special one day now it's one game but at the end of the day, you have to love seeing not somebody that is just along for the ride in the offense, but somebody that's putting their foot on the gas and making things go for a football team. You know, Connor, a throw that stood out to me, I love two of the throws he had on their final drive that ended in the field goal. He had the back shoulder fade late in that drive, but early, that sort of scramble drill where he found Crowder, I believe, over the middle late. That pocket movement from Darnold is so impressive, right? Oh, without a doubt. Without an absolute doubt. And I think what's so fun about a play like that is is obviously Darnold's ability to make it work behind what's a mediocre offensive line and one that's very banged up right now. And that's just how it's going to have to be. I mean, Kaleche Osemele is getting shoulder surgery. Alex Lewis has filled in very, very nicely. Chuma Adoga had a rough debut against Philadelphia and really settled in in this one, I thought. And now Calvin Beecham's hurt as well. So Sam knows that he doesn't have all day back there. And you see those subtle steps, the shoulder dips, and the ability to get the ball out quickly. I think he's really tightened up his release as well since coming out of college. So that's really important. And on the flip side, just because I know I've personally not been the biggest fan at times, Adam Gase called a good game an aggressive game. And if the Jets aren't aggressive at the end of that game, they lose to Dallas by a point or two which is a, a crushing in that situation. And instead, you know, once again, they put their foot on the gas. They said, we're not going to turn around and hand the ball to Le'Veon Bell behind a 
poor offensive line as a run-blocking group three times and punt the ball back to Dallas in crunch time. We're going to use play action. We're going to throw the ball down the field. We're going to get Le'Veon mixed up in this to kill some clock. But we're going to keep pushing the football. And with Sam Darnold, you could do that. But you got to give credit to the coach for understanding that that's how this New York Jets team has to play to win football games. Going back to the previous meeting between these two teams, now I know it wasn't the most exciting game, a little bit lackluster, but at least in the second half, this Jets defense seemed to play a little bit better against New England. Now you're coming off a game against Dallas where they played well. How's this defense coming along? Well, what I like about them is that even when Luke Falk was out there, and it was pretty much a sure thing they were going to lose every game he played in, they had pride, and, and that comes from Greg Williams. It really does. Your, your defensive pride often comes from the coaching staff because, uh, let's be real, I've seen the opposite end of the spectrum with this group at the end of the Todd Bowles era when you have backup Bills quarterbacks lighting them up for 340 yards at home to no-name wide receivers at times. So, listen, that means something, and I think Jamal Adams really loves Greg Williams, and Jamal Adams played a phenomenal game. Marcus May has had a great season that no one's talking about. He's really the glue on the back end of the defense because these corners can't cover anyone besides Brian Poole, who's their slot corner. The two outside guys, Daryl Roberts and Tremaine Johnson, are really, really struggling. And the pass rush, they're without Henry Anderson, so that was a big blow. And guys stepped up. Foley Padukasi had a really, really good game at nose tackle. Quinton Williams had his first really good game. Leonard Williams had a really good game. That stuff matters. And Blake Cashman is filled in at linebacker. They lost Avery Williamson over the summer. They lost C.J. Mosley week one. It's been the Blake Cashman and Neville Hewitt show. Once again, is this the most talented group without Mosley in the middle? It's really not. But they're at least playing prideful football. They're playing aggressive football. And they're not going to shut teams out. They're not going to hold teams to a touchdown or 10 points. But they're going to be aggressive. They're going to hit the quarterback. They're going to make him uncomfortable and at least give the offense a shot to keep them in the game. As always, when we have a great guest like Connor, we get a ton of listener questions, which you could always submit via the Scotia Slack channel. Again, for an invite, you can hit me up at Mark Schofield on Twitter. First one comes from John Limarakis, and he goes in a different direction. And it makes some sense because in the Slack channel, John is our barbecue and smoking meat expert. And he wants to know, Connor, brisket chopped sandwich or pulled pork sandwich for your tailgating tour? You pick the place where the sandwich is made. Which one would you get? Oh, wow. That's a great question. It's tough. I think on the sandwich, I go with the pulled pork. But if I'm going with just the platter, then I go with the brisket. I had some brisket down in Austin on the tailgate tour in early September at Terry Black's. And it might have been the best brisket I've had. On the flip side, I was in Nashville right before that and had a pulled pork sandwich. That was, it couldn't have been more perfect. So sandwich, I go pulled pork, but just on the platter brisket. What do you do at Saucy Q's? That's a big question when you're down in Mobile. Where do you go there? Uh, I would probably go pulled pork. I, I'm really particular about brisket. I don't know what it is. I just... First off, you really have to be in the mood for brisket. It's not like an every month kind of thing. And you know, Mark, I'm literally on the road all the time, all these places where barbecue over those places are much better in New York. So uh, I'm definitely a pulled pork guy more consistently, but I don't think anything tops a good brisket. There you go. We got a question from Mattia Rizzo. A couple of the questions from Mattia. He wants to know, first off, Connor, your thoughts on Chase Winovich, if you've got a chance to see him. And if you have, have you noticed anything about him that wasn't clear during the draft process? Uh, I'm really, really happy with how Chase Winovich has looked. And to be honest with you, this is who he was. That's what's so funny about yeah. it to me. I, you know, 
I, I always own up to when I'm too high on a guy. I think Ja'Kai Polite was obviously a big miss for me. I had him somewhere in the second round after the character stuff. But Chase Winovich, I had firmly in round one. And I think New England feels that they probably got a back end of round one player right now with how good he's been. What you're seeing is just that relentless kind of passion as a pass rusher. But one more thing that nobody really talked about with Chase is he's an athletic guy. And athleticism, it's funny, people don't talk about this either. It translates to special teams. And we've seen him get on the field for special teams. We've seen him get on the field in a pass rushing role. And he's an athletic player. He's a smart player. He's a tough player. And that's what New England loves. And that's why he's going to be there sacking the quarterback for a very long time. Mattia also has a question about the college game. And this game's coming up in a couple weeks. LSU-Alabama. And he wants to know, should LSU be feared by Alabama this year? And he also has a question, Joe Burrow. How far is he from a first-round QB? Or is he a first-round QB already? I love that question. We're actually going to be there for six Oh, there you go. Oh, that's a bucket list one. Yeah, that's going to be the biggest game of the year. We're going to be on the quad at Alabama for a tailgate. Anyone's welcome to come by to that. Uh, So this is a good one. We talked about this on Stick to Football this week with Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, who obviously wants Joe Burrow at the game. Joe Burrow is firmly locked into round one right now, and it's amazing how quick things change. He He was a round four quarterback over summer, somebody that you felt could really be a really good backup one day, a smart guy, a good leader. I didn't know if the physical talent was always there. This year, it certainly looks like it. I really do think he's in the first round right now. Uh, Now, I've seen some people debate if he can climb up into the top top pick kind of area. I'm definitely not there yet. I think that's very, very rich for me. But when you look at Joe Burrow right now, because of him, LSU should not, I mean, should not fear Alabama. I think the question really, you know, has to be, yeah, Alabama should be a little nervous. Now, LSU going to Alabama makes it a little easier because, man, nobody wants to play at Death Valley. We just saw what happened to Florida when they yeah. did that. That's a, the toughest. I've been there. That's the toughest place to play in the country. I saw a good Georgia team get whooped up there last year, and I think it's going to be a fun conversation with LSU because they're going to be in the national title hunt, and then after that, a lot of their players are going to be in the uh, the first round, second round, third round conversation leading up to the draft. Connor, we got a couple questions from Jessica Brand. First off, she wants to know how big of a drop off will Donald's protection be this week? You mentioned Beecham might be out. Shell's going to be in his place. They've given up some sacks. Where do you stand on where the protection game is for the Jets right now? Yeah, it's going to be a problem. Now, this is the key thing here with Herndon. If you have Herndon back, you can really run, you know, your twelve personnel and, and try to get Griffin, who's not a great blocker, but at least you can put him out there and Herndon as blockers, keep Le'Veon in for pass protection, and then you have Dar- you have Darnold a chance. Now, this group did a good job last week against Dallas. They didn't do a great job. They did a good job. I thought they kept Tank Lawrence, you know, under control at least a little bit. So it's a big issue. I think it's a great question because I think when it comes down to it, New England not only knows how to get after the quarterback, they know how to scheme to get after the quarterback, and they're not, a, they're not afraid to send a four-man rush that'll win against better talent, uh, against weaker talent. So the Jets are in trouble with the offensive line. And if, this is a big test for Adam Gase because he has to know that, you know, the play-action game, the ball's got to be out quick if they want to run that play-action game. And that's not easy to do. you got to be working off play-action and that first read better be open. So we're going to find – if Sam Darnold is on the ground a lot in the first half, you know, that's a scary situation. You don't want him coming in taking those kind of hits – against a good New England defense that they don't just hit you, they take away the football.
Conversely, Jessica wants to know, CJ Mosley might be back. What does that mean for the depth on the defensive side of the ball? And also, if you get Quinton Williams back, how could this Jets defense look this week against the Patriots? Yeah, well, CJ being back means everything in this game because I was telling you before the show, Sco, that I think New England could come out and run the ball 35 yeah. times in this game and win the game doing that. I think CJ in the middle could take away that, and that would be really exciting for the Jets because – when it comes down to it, you you almost it's funny to say this. It sounds ridiculous, but you do want to test Tom Brady in this, and, and Tom Brady will carve you up. But I, I don't care about these people that are saying he looks human this year. He'll carve anyone up. But you'd rather go down swinging and make Brady throw the ball than just get run on all the time. And with CJ out there, you won't get run on. He's that kind of difference maker. Like I said, Cashman and Hewitt have done a good job behind this defensive line. I don't know what Henry Anderson's injury statuses but he's a difference maker as well Quinton Williams has been dealing with an ankle on and off so hopefully he's healthy but the overall point is CJ Mosley is a huge difference maker in this football game now Connor we've touched on the tailgate tour and I did want to ask you about I saw you on the gram out at the University of Washington on the Wendy's tailgated boat (laughs) what was that experience like Uh, it was great I was doing a a different kind of shoot for Bleacher Report partnering with Wendy's I was out uh, sailgating at Washington University. What a unique experience it is out there. I was glad I got to go out to a Pac-12 game early this year. I'm going to one in November as well for Cal Stanford. But I really wanted to see Washington and USC. A lot of prospects in that game, especially Washington's DBs, their offensive line, their quarterback, Jacob Eason. But the sailgating experience was its own animal before the game. Uh, Basically, Wendy's created a barge on the water for people to pull up their boats and get Wendy's. And they had, you know, spicy nuggets, burgers, Frosties. And Bleacher Report was just out there. We're actually out there with Dante Pettis, who was just a man. It was a great time. And his football team is undefeated right now at the 49ers. So, you know, he's in a great mood. Uh, it was an awesome time. Wendy's is fun to partner with. You know, we're always doing wacky stuff at Bleacher Report. Yeah. We're not talking about football. So, one of the more unusual pregames I've ever had. But still, listen, Sco, when you, when you go on a scouting trip and – the boat can drop you off at the stadium. That's it's pretty hard to amazing. Complain about anything. That's pretty amazing, and they had the spicy nuggets too. You were taunted me whether you told me to get me on a, get on a plane, which is. <laughs> I thought about it, man. I thought about it. It looked pretty good. What's the next stop on the tailgating tour, buddy? Yeah, so finally off this weekend. It's the first time off in a while, which I'm excited about to sit home and watch a lot of games. But uh, we're gonna be out in London in two weeks. Oh. It's gonna be a wild adventure. Uh, Listen, the Bengals aren't any good right now. The Rams are trying to become good again. That's the game. So we'll be out for Rams-Bengals, but we'll be out watching all the games. Uh, a lot of great international listeners, especially out in London, that we're excited to meet, excited to spend time with. And listen, you know me. Anytime I can get overseas, I gladly will. And speaking of food, if you like Indian food, Swami in Piccadilly Circus. I can't recommend that place enough, my friend. Well, there you go. I've been literally just writing down any place. I I'm sure people eat. are just like, you got to go yeah. here. But listen, I, that's not even the first time I've heard that. So oh. I'm all in on that. There you go, buddy. That's going to be a fantastic trip. All right. It's been great, man. Let me get out of here on this one. Now, like I said, last time you were here, it was get to the bye. But now things have changed. So what are your expectations now for Monday night? I think this is going to be a really close game. And I. so it's funny. Going back to the last one, uh, you know, it's lovely that we have uh, legal Fandle here in the great state of New Jersey. I picked New England to cover, and it was such a fat line. It was like 24 points, yeah. and, and they didn't. Thank you, New York Jets. They always find a Thanks, way to Jared Stedham. One last dig in me. Yeah, exactly. 
I, this line is at 10 right now. I don't think the Jets win. It would be a huge win for them. I don't think they win this game. I think this is a very close football game. I think the Jets really keep this in that 7, 8-point kind of range. I think they, that's a really fat line. I don't know if they're waiting to see if Mosley and Herndon are back. That are huge difference makers. But I think the Jets believe in themselves again. And I think New England, obviously, is the better coach team. They're going to come prepared. I know Brady is probably hearing all the nonsense about him right now. I think he has a very good game in this one. But I think Sam Darnold is, is going to be ready to go. And I, I think finally, they have not been good games. I think finally we're going to get a really exciting Monday night AFC game in this one. Yeah, I think this is going to be a good one. And from a you know Patriots perspective, this one scares me a little bit. I don't know. I mean, that Jets team looks pretty good right now. Carter, fantastic stuff, buddy. Let everybody know where they can find you and all the great work you're doing over at BR. Of course, on Twitter, at Connor J. Rogers, uh, you know, at Stick to Football. We're doing three shows a week covering college, covering NFL, most importantly, covering the NFL draft. So we're having a blast doing it. A lot going on. It's football season, though, Sco. You know the deal. That keeps us busy, keeps us, you know, keeps us sane. Friends, that will do it for today. I will be back Saturday with Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. Until then, friends, please do keep on. Blessed that Patriots reign. Down the talk to